Good morning. This is the Lois Gay Wetzel Show, and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from 9 a.m. Central Time in Houston, Texas. Today I'm going to be talking with Audrey Gutierrez, who is a certified medicinal aromatherapist who has studied in France with Dr. Hossel and in the United States with Barry Knapp, John Steele, and Dr. Kurt Schnabelt, among others. She's also a certified Reiki practitioner and consults with clients on using essential oils to create a more vibrant, satisfying life. Her deep connection with the plants and trees has fostered a passion for sustainability, walking and living upon the earth in a whole, natural, and earth-friendly way. Formerly, Audrey had a successful executive career, including seven years with a major drug development company. She left the corporate world in 2001 to be a full-time partner in Wisdom of the Earth. She currently shares her time between Sedona, Arizona, and Santa Fe, New Mexico, where she lives with her wonderful husband, Leonardo. I'm going to open the line now. And hi, Audrey. Hi, Lois. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you this morning? That's great. Thanks. So, tell us about medicinal aroma or medical aromatherapy. How is that different than other forms of aromatherapy? Well, one of the problems with um, the word aromatherapy is it really conjures up the whole idea of it's only the smell that the, it's the aroma that is the most important thing um, in this particular modality. And while aroma can be really powerful for evoking memories or taking us to a place spiritually or emotionally, um, when you're using them medically, as we do in medicinal aromatherapy, it is hugely the chemistry and on a spiritual and emotional level, the relationship that you have with the plants and trees, excuse me, that are the major healing aspects of the interaction. So the aroma is just the tip of the iceberg. But being called aromatherapy, um, most people, when I meet them for the first time or they call me for the first time, literally think they're supposed to open the bottom and sm- bottle and smell it. And so um, it differs in that it kind of puts the emphasis on uh, the, the medicinal aspects of it. Um, and so secondly, um, there's such a culture in this country now around aromatherapy um, that's really more of a fad of aromatherapy. And so it's very much about the Glade plugins that are um, not really something I would choose to have in my home because there are a lot of synthetic chemistries in those mm. Glade products. But people think that's aromatherapy. They think a, a ring you put on your lampshade is aromatherapy. And so there's such an emphasis on bath salts and perfumes and um, candles and these uh, you know scented things for your home that it really takes it very far from the medicinal roots um, where it originated. And so that's why we really put the emphasis on medicinal aromatherapy. So when you practice medicinal aromatherapy, are you having people ingest the oils, rubbing it into the skin? It's primarily topically. The the greatest residual, the greatest um, uh, impact on on the human system, whether it's spiritual, emotional, or physical, is made when you apply them a pure medicinal grade essence. And I just want to mention that throughout this whole conversation we'll be having, um, any references I make to essences or their use is within the context of the assurance that they're pure medicinal grade Hello? single essences because that's what we Audrey? work with. Mm-hmm. We seem to have lost Audrey. Uh-oh. I can't hear you. Okay, I will call back in. I'll call back in. Okay, you appear to still be there, but I'm not hearing you. Okay, maybe we can get... She's going to dial back in, I think. Is, is that you, Becky? Are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm listening online while I'm... Okay. Working a little bit, and I okay. noticed that she cool. phased yeah, she'll out. Be back. She'll she'll dial back. Here we go. I'm okay. going to open the line back up to her, and then you be collecting questions. Oh, okay. If then you I'll want. quit working. If you, want. <laughs> <laughs> you can still work. Whatever you want. I'll check okay. and see later if you've got a question. Uh, okay, there you are, Audrey. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I could hear you. I perfectly. don't either. I'll tell you what. It's the it's the electronic gremlins. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> They've been yeah. busy lately. <laughs> yeah. Especially cell phones have been doing weird, weird, weird things. And computers. Yes, cell phones <laughs> So where were we? You were talking about topical Oh, we were talking about you had asked whether they were used topically or inhaled or ingested. And when they're pure medicinal grade essences, I was mentioning that the largest, the greatest residual, the greatest impact on the human system, whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual, is when you put a pure... Um, undiluted essence topically on your body. Now, any of your listeners who have been trained um, in aromatherapy, usually via the um, English route, um, will probably be shaking their heads in horror at what I'm saying. Um, But our training has primarily been in France, in Europe, and my business partner, Barry Kapp, has also studied um, in Turkey and Israel. Where wow, you using the essences, global aromatherapy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, using the essences pure uh, and topically is the way that they're done. The English model is more dilute, dilute, dilute. Put them in carrier oil. Never put a pure essential oil on your skin, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, I've been using these now since 1997, so 13 years, and have never used a diluted essence on my body. Only pure essences. And when you put, say, 20 drops on, um, you're getting about 10 into the bloodstream. So the the national average is about, you know, 50% of whatever is applied topically. So that's our preferred mode of application. And what we always teach our students is that, you know, you go to the area of concern. So if you had a sore shoulder or a a, a bursitis in your elbow, you would apply it right in the area of concern when we're dealing with the eye or when we're dealing with, you know, some other areas, sometimes you need to be creative and um, work around things. But we are able to really put literally essences almost anywhere on the body. But we also do use them internally um, via ingestion or vaginally or rectally, depending on the medical problem we're working with. Um, And we do do inhalations. It's called the French uh, aromatic method where we'll put – seven or so, seven to ten drops of maybe four or five essences in a cup of boiling water. So if you have a sinus problem or um, uh, respiratory issues, and you put a towel over your head and you breathe in the steam from that um, cup of boiling water to which you've added the essences. And then when it's done uh, steaming, you drink the water. And that is an incredibly powerful treatment for any kind of um, respiratory or sinus kind of issue. So we do use them all three ways, but it's not kind of taking the lid off and just putting it up to your your nose and smelling it. That's really not what inhalation <laughs> medically is about. So we really are focusing, again, on getting the, the greatest um, health benefit from it, whether we are just trying to maintain our immune system or whether we're actually treating, you know, a cold or a, a flu or something like that. Okay. Now I'm getting excited because I want to tell you, <laughs> I have never, I've been using aromatherapy for probably 25 years, but I never studied it really. I mean, I looked up what does each oil do, mm-hmm. like either in books or online or whatever, but I've never taken a Well, I did take one class, but I didn't pay attention because I didn't think she knew what she was talking about. <laughs> but I have never, ever uh, wanted diluted oils at all. I thought, you know, what's the point? And so that's kind of exciting. But I also put the oils directly onto my skin, and I did not know that there was a school of thought that said don't do that. I I, I never dreamed that you wouldn't do that. And I've, I've also your instincts were guiding you in the right direction. Oh lordy, yeah, I've put it in boiling water and sniffed it. it didn't occur to me to drink the water afterwards, but yeah, I thought if I'm going to inhale it, I'm going to have it coming up the, as a vapor into my nose. Mm-hmm. And I've also put drops inside my nose, which may be against the law as, as far as anybody's concerned in the form of therapist. <laughs> but I do sometimes been known to put them inside my nose, and especially the kind that open your sinuses. Absolutely. We do it all the time. You okay. know, when, when you were speaking, it, uh, it literally gave me chills because it reminded me of a client I have in um, – the New England uh, area of the country. I think she's in Connecticut. And she had been, like you, using aromatherapy for 20 or 30 years. But unlike you, she had really listened to the conventional wisdom of what she read or some of the teachers she had had uh, to never, ever, ever, ever use them uh, on her skin directly. And so when she found me on um, my Facebook page and started corresponding with me, 
And she had a, I don't remember if she came down with a migraine or a digestive issue, but I suggested some essences she might want to try because she had quite an array of them. And she told me some of the brands, and so I told her some of the ones I thought might be helpful to her. And she literally called me the next morning crying and saying she, in all those years, she had never put an undiluted essence on her skin. And the effect was so powerful and so transforming and so incredibly satisfying at literally a soul level, it blew her away. She literally felt transformed, and she had to call and tell me and then try some of our essences, and now she's become a wonderful client. But it was just, um, she was so sad that all these years she had put a wall between her and the essences, basically, and was so (laughs) thrilled and elated to have had that experience and couldn't wait to have more. So that was just an amazing experience for someone who had kind of listened, was aware of conventional wisdom, had listened to it, and had really been um, missing out. And I think when when we lost the connection, I was giving my little disclaimer, so I'm thinking I'd better repeat it. Um, Everything that I'm talking about uh, with regard to either essences you might use for a particular situation or how you might want to apply them has to do with pure medicinal-grade single essences. We don't do any blends. We don't you know, have anything mixed with carrier oil there exactly as they come from the plant or tree. And that is the, the, the family of essences I'm talking about when I you know, am talking in general. It's really specifically related to that quality and type of essence. Okay. Yeah, I've never really cared for the blended things so much. I really like the if, – if they're going to be blended, I want to do it, you know. Well, you know, Lois, <laughs> just hearing you talk, of course, the relationship you have with the, the stones and gems and everything, I, I don't know why I'm surprised, but I when, I when I first started out, I was kind of encouraging my business partner, Barry, let's do blends. People don't want to have to think. You know, I was coming from the corporate world, and his thing was, no, my guidance from the plants and trees is that we are to do single, pure essences, and one of our main thrust will be education because it is true people have to be educated and so that was the route we took but i'm not going to lie and say uh, that at the beginning i played around with a few blends because they were so popular and my friends were asking me to make them a concoction for abundance or for you know attracting the right partner that type of thing and i did one for one friend for abundance and as I was carefully selecting each one, I was getting cinnamon bark, which, which is an ancient one for abundance. But I also used a lang-a-lang because that is about the heart. And so I wanted it to be abundance from the heart. And, you know, I was so careful in what I chose. And then I realized that when you allow someone else to make those choices, you are giving your power away. Mm-hmm. And what you exactly said, you know, you want to choose them yourself. And so... Medicinally, it does impact the potency. So if you're using it for medicinal purpose, we still suggest that people layer them one at a time over the area of concern instead of pre-mixing them because they do lose some of the oomph, the, um, the, the healing oomph that they have. But if, They change um, chemically when you mix them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the whole energy shifts. I mean, if I use one of your beautiful pendulums to to look at and measure the potency of one of my essences, which is one of the ways I use um, the pendulum I have from you, is you know to look at the um, amount of energy that that essence carries with it. And if you hold it over a blend, even if they were pretty decent oils to begin with, usually there's no movement at all or perhaps a teeny tiny little circle. But if you hold that pendulum over a you know hand-poured, ours are all hand-poured, a hand-poured, you know, essence created by a beautiful small family farmer over in France who's done this in their family for three generations, and you put that pendulum over that open bottle of essence, it literally is making circles five and six inches around, you know, wide in diameter. Just the life force is just amazing. And so, um, you know, that's one of the ways we use your beautiful products. But, um, you know, it shows that you're connected to the natural world, that you have... Even though you weren't taught any of this, you sensed it and you knew the right way to approach it, which is really interesting because a lot of people are hugely unconnected to the natural world. And as I was mentioning to you in an earlier conversation, uh, one of the beautiful things about the essences is that they help us 
for some people who've lost that connection, reestablish it, or if they have it, deepen it to the natural world. And, you know, it sounds like your connection is alive and well, and that's really wonderful. So the essences are only going to just take that and deepen it and expand it uh, when they're used this way. Mm-hmm. So let me, yeah, I've, I'm pretty sure I've done aromatherapy in past lives or else it wouldn't come so naturally. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just that's coming from my angle, which is I do a lot of past life readings from the Akashic Records. So uh, I'm pretty sure I've done that. I've been healers in many, many past lives. So I've, I've probably done it before, which is why it's so easy for me to remember stuff like that. Um, so here's a question for you. Uh, we know uh, that uh, oregano, essential oil, will kill the bacterium which uh, cause uh, bacteria that, that cause stomach ulcers. So what do you think about putting some in a gel cap and swallowing it, or would it be better to rub it over the stomach on the skin? Well, <laughs> um, I know oregano is a very, very popular oil, and we have numerous varieties of oregano, and we sell a lot of it. But um, I'm going to say that if someone already has a stomach ulcer, probably I personally would not suggest that they ingest oregano because it's so, most varieties are so hot. And true oregano, which is the variety most known and sold in this country, is very, very hot. So I would probably layer it on the skin. What we do, the way we use a hot essence Um, on an area of the body which could be burnt by using it topically undiluted. Instead of diluting it, we layer it with more gentle oils that are still supporting um, what we're trying to address. So if we take the stomach ulcer and we're looking at the um, bacterial aspect of it, I would perhaps layer for balsam or for Douglas or uh, any of the conifers which are highly antibacterial first because they're very gentle on the skin. Then I would put the oregano, and then I might end again with that same conifer, or I might do something like lavender um, or laurel leaf, which are also hugely antibacterial, or geranium. And that way I've got an essence on either side of that oregano that's a cool essence that's gentle to the skin, sandwiching the hot oregano, uh, which can cause uh, skin irritation if you put it on directly onto the skin. So that would be absolutely one way of doing it to get that essence into the body to do the work that you want it to do. But the other thing I would point out is oregano has been um, very um, promoted heavily in this country. And so people have probably heard of peppermint, lavender, oregano, um, and eucalyptus are the most commonly known, so even people who haven't dabbled in aromatherapy, they're familiar that essences exist in those, from those plants or trees. But we have over 200 in the Wisdom of the Earth line of essences. I'm a partner in the Wisdom of the Earth uh, with Barry Cap, and then my practice in Santa Fe is called Shining Sun Aromatherapy. But I use only Wisdom of the Earth oils. We have, I think, we're at about 213 or 215 right now, single pure essences. So my point here is that there are so many choices other than oregano, which is a hot essence. And for a lot of people who don't use essences all the time and might not be educated as to how to use it safely, could burn themselves and cause additional problems and then have a bad taste in their mouth about aromatherapy and not want to use it again. So often I'll recommend something other than oregano that I feel is equally potent when it comes to being antibacterial. In fact, All pure medicinal grade essences are to some degree antibacterial. But there are others, like oregano, that are much more potent in this regard. And I mentioned the conifers. I mentioned geranium. Um, So there are many that are really, really um, hugely antibacterial. Cypress is another that you could use instead of the oregano and probably have uh, equal results. And so I would just suggest that people explore the other options. Um, The other thing is we have a beautiful oregano from Turkey that has a high uh, concentration of linolol in it. It's a particular variety that has a higher amount of linolol than some of the other more traditional varieties. And when when an essence has a high concentration of, naturally has a high concentration of linolol, it tends to be more gentle to the skin. So this one's called um, oregano uh, dubian linolol, and it's one that, 
most people can put directly on their skin with no problem whatsoever. So there are options out there when you come to a place like Shining Sun Aromatherapy where we're very serious about this and we have many, many, many options, whether it's price that you need to have options around, smell that you need to have options around, or ease of use. And this would be an example of ease of use. So the person could use a more gentle oregano that's just as effective or use perhaps another essence other than oregano that would be equally effective because of its antibacterial action. So you know, when you're really um, knowledgeable about it, you can do that and do it safely, or you can even approach the same bacterium from another perspective. Hmm. So, and and so you would apply whatever you decide to apply over the stomach itself. Is that correct? If, yes, if it were that's what I would suggest. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, do you have any suggestions for how one might use aromatherapy um, for a yeast infection, an intravaginal yeast infection? Well, we I mentioned that we use them vaginally and rectally, so this would be a perfect situation where you would use it vaginally, and we typically recommend one of two approaches. One would be to get an organic cotton tampon, apply the oils to that, and then insert them vaginally. And then the other would be to use like a, a little travel douche that you can get in the pharmacy. And they have them that are real thin-skinned, and then they have one that's quite a thick piece of rubber. I usually get the thicker one because the essences will kind of eat through rubber over time. So um, to get the most use out of it, I, I tend to get the one that's a little heavier um, and sturdier, more sturdily made. And then you can put like half of it filled with warm water and then add your essences to that. So those are two ways that we will introduce essences vaginally. Some people will also just put them on their finger, especially if it's something around the mouth of the vagina, and just you know apply it with their finger. Um, they do that rectally sometimes and do it vaginally. But normally I would recommend uh, a tampon or uh, a douche application. Um, but anyway, one of the major ones uh, for a yeast infection is uh, Mexican lime. So lime would be one. Again, your conifers are really excellent, so I would probably, I'd love fir balsam, so you'll hear that come out of my mouth all the time. Fir grand or fir balsam are very gentle but very, very effective. And then I probably, um, we've also had amazing success with um, sandalwood for this purpose. And I actually use sandalwood as a general douche, um, so it's it's just wonderfully cleansing and antiviral, antibacterial, um, it's also an aphrodisiac. I mean, it's just an amazing essence. Um, but it's one that we've also used for yeast infections as well. But um, And the other would be tea tree, but um, some people have a little irritation with tea tree, even a medicinal grade. So we have a couple. One is called Neuralina, and the other is called Rosalina, that are also Melaleucas, and tea tree is a Melaleuca. It's in the Melaleuca family. Um, so they're in the same family, but they're kind of, I describe them as kind of a high-end tea tree, and that's just a shorthand term that I use. Um, but they're, they're very, very potent. Um, they don't have as much of a tea tree smell, because I have to admit I'm not a huge fan of the aroma of tea tree. Um, but when it comes to something that you're inserting vaginally, uh, they tend to be a little more gentle on the skin, but also extremely potent. They're very high-end essences. So those would be two, again, options I might recommend to someone instead of tea tree. But if their budget was directing them to go toward the tea tree, um, you know, we certainly have a beautiful medicinal grade of that, and they could they could use that as well. So I would do a conifer, at least one conifer, um, Mexican lime. You could also use lemon, but we really lean toward uh, Mexican lime for this, and uh, a melaleuca, preferably a rosalina or norolina. But you could also use tea tree, and then you but would just put mixed. probably would... about. You would just do them one at a time? Well, I do about seven to ten drops of each one on the tip of the um, um, tampon and then Mm -hmm. insert it and keep it in for about three hours. And then you can Mm -hmm. remove it and do that once or twice a day. Usually it's gone in a few days, but I usually tend to recommend that people do it for about five to seven days just to make sure it's really gone. Mm -hmm. So Barry, my business partner, has seven daughters, so he has been through all of the, quotes female problems that you can even imagine. Um, so he's got wonderful regimens for almost anything you could think of that a, a younger uh, middle-aged woman might run into. When I first met him, uh, he really helped me get through menopause literally painlessly. I mean, it was just incredible. My doctor had given me... Um, 
oh, what were they doing at the time, uh, the hormone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. And I took this stuff home and I looked at it and looked at it. And I said, yeah, I can't do this. I threw it out. I said, I, I can't put this in my body. So at the time, I was just getting into this, and I called Barry and said, okay, I'm not doing that. <laughs> what would you recommend? And I went on a regimen of uh, clary sage, geranium, and ended up adding Melissa to the to the layering combination. And within probably about four to six months, I was pretty much done with um, menopause, and it controlled the hot flashes, it controlled... Um, the irritability, it controlled the sleepless nights. I mean, it was just amazing that I saw results almost immediately, and my little analytical self was keeping track of how many hot flashes was I having a day and how long were they lasting. So it was really interesting that I was able to systematically look at the decrease in the duration as well as the incidence of the hot flashes till they finally just disappeared. And we got everything all balanced out, and it was... um, something that people had really terrified me about, how bad menopause was going to be. And I have to say I had a, a pretty painless experience. It was it was amazing. And I've helped people with that over the years who have just been, some people have been experiencing symptoms for years. And when they start using the essences, um, you know, as a regimen, so they're doing it literally every day, certain amount of drops that we agree to and the certain ones that they're using, they see results literally in weeks and in some cases, you know, they bring it to a close in a, in a few months after dealing with it for years. So, you know, Barry, um, some people think it's a little weird going to a man for some of these things, and he says, look, you know, I had a wife and seven daughters. <laughs> so he's uh, pretty well versed in, in the area of helping women with some of the problems that they experience. Yeah, you know, some people's menopause symptoms will go for up to 10 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've had clients seven years, six years just worked with a woman in Santa Fe two years she had been dealing with this and she literally only made it through I think one or two bottles of the essences I recommended and it was a thing of the past she could not believe it because she had dealt with it for so long and had tried everything so it's it's pretty amazing how effective it is well you know as an herb Vitex is supposed to balance the hormones do we use Vitex um, as an aromatherapy ever you know, there is a Vitex oil, and I will tell you we do not carry it primarily because um, a side effect, if there is such a thing as a side effect, I'll just call it that for ease of use, of Vitex is that it depresses the libido. Ooh. And there are so many women in this country who have issues with their libido that the last thing we want to do is carry an essence that is going to contribute to that when there are so many other options that don't do that or actually, like Cleary Sage, is an incredible aphrodisiac. So even is though it? it's amazing, oh, it's it's fabulous. So even though it's amazing cool. uh, to balance the hormones, it's also a very powerful, beautiful aphrodisiac. So it's just that there were so many options that didn't have that aspect to it. They used to call it chaste, I think one of its common names is chaste plant or chaste tree. Chaste berry. And so, and the reason they call it that was because they would give it to nuns and to priests because it does depress the libido. Well, that should be a warning right there. The name's Chaste Berry. That's right. (laughs) And I'm going to give Barry a plug here, my business partner. We were in a class in New York when I first started out, taught by Kurt Schnabel, who's one of our mentors, as you mentioned in the introduction, and also a dear friend of ours. And he was teaching a class, and, and Barry had taken it years ago, but he had come with me to kind of audit and, and refresh his acquaintance with Kurt. And, and somebody asked about Vitex, and Kurt was recommending it. And Barry raised his hand and brought up the issue of, you know, it's, it's common name and it's uh, side effect of, of depressing the libido. And Kurt had to admit that, um, Barry, you're absolutely right. And so um, he had not mentioned that. And so it was really up to somebody in the audience to kind of say, this is a consideration people should be aware of. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where um, Kurt doesn't do a lot of treatment of people. He actually typically will send anyone who's working with large animals uh, or animals or people to us because it's just not been his focus. He is an incredible organic chemist, has a beautiful line of essences and a beautiful company and does wonderful work teaching. But he's not been huge in the consultation and treatment um, you know, end of things. And so 
but you know, Barry brought that up, and a lot of people are not aware of that. And so, um, you know, we treat people and talk with people every week who have issues with libido. So, again, it gets back to options because there are so many other options that don't have that as a consideration uh, that we have focused on the others. Hmm. Yeah, you know, there's no substitute for clinical experience. There isn't. You know, and when my students um, start talking about, oh, when can I start, you know, helping people, my whole issue is use them yourself every day for everything that comes up that you can imagine. And when you have some of that experience under your belt, you know, then start talking to people because otherwise um, you really only have academic knowledge to draw up on. And there's nothing that will substitute for experience. Now, I had a woman sitting in the front row of my class. I taught a class in Sedona at the community college there on aromatherapy. And it was for their elder program. So these were, for the most part, retired people, really sweet people. And this woman in the front, um, we were putting some essences on our crown chakra. I think she was using frankincense. And it dripped down through her hair and went into her eye. And I had brought along uh, olive oil with me just for that possibility because when you're working with a pure essential oil, the last thing you want to do is flush an eye with water because it's just Mm. going to accentuate things. What you do is you neutralize it by putting um, olive oil um, or another neutral kind of oil like almond oil. But olive oil, I just dab it around the outside of the eye and it neutralizes it within a minute or two. And I mentioned to her, oh, don't worry, I've got this olive oil with me. And she said, you know, Uh, I'm a massage therapist, I'm going to be working with people, and I know this is going to happen to someone. Either I'm going to get it in their eye or they're going to get it in their eye, and I would just like to experience this. Can it hurt me? I said, no. It's just going to be uncomfortable for a little while. She said, then I'd like to experience it so I can have a context if they ask me or it happens to them what they might expect from the experience. And I I was really impressed with her logic. Because, um, you know, when she found out that it wouldn't hurt her to just kind of grin and bear it for a while, she chose to do that so she would have that knowledge under her belt. And, you know, we learn from our mistakes as well as we learn from our successes. And so I was very impressed with her willingness to do that on behalf of people she might be able to work with down the road. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I think of failure or mistakes as feedback. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, let's see. Oh, your um, uh, Wisdom of the Earth. Is there mm-hmm. a website for that? There is. Um, it's wisdomoftheearth.com, and that um, is our business uh, outside of Sedona, Arizona, and that's um, the business I own with Barry, and his wife, Cynthia, works with us. And we you know, have, that's kind of the home office for Wisdom of the Earth. And then shiningcenteraromatherapy.com is my personal website for my practice in Santa Fe, even though it's become kind of a international thing. But um, it started out as just kind of uh, helping people understand what I offer and what I do in Santa Fe in terms of classes and consultations and things like that. And I do carry the entire line of Wisdom of the Earth Essences uh, and stock in my office and our hydrosols. And then I have aroma kits and some of your beautiful pendulums and um yeah, I do make aroma kits, um, which are really sweet little kits of 10 to 15 essences in small two-mil uh, two bottles. That's about 60 drops. And I have specialized ones. One's called Scent of a Woman. One's called Manifest. One's called the Emergency Kit. So I have about eight or ten of those uh, specialty ones that allow people to conveniently carry the essences with them um, and also explore um, a set of essences without having to buy the larger size bottles until they decide, yeah, these are ones I want to work with. So they're kind of specialty but also educational kits. Um, they're called aroma kits, and I carry all of those. And also we carry some aromatherapy books that really um, are focusing on the ancient connection between humans and the plants and trees and how that contributes to the healing process, as well as some, like you were mentioning, that you know really have a good um, uh, reference section on what essence you use for what situations and so you know we can't forget the nuts and bolts of it but it's also good to look at all the levels of healing and all the things that contribute to that and so we you know only carry books that kind of address things on one or both of those levels and so um, I'm kind of a full service thing here in Santa Fe but the real you know home of wisdom of the earth is uh, in Cornville Arizona just outside of 
Sedona, and uh, the website, Wisdom of the Earth, is really focused on that business. So let me ask you this. this. I think I heard you make reference to this in the very beginning, but do you feel, as, and this is my sense of it, that any time you use an essential oil, you are energetically connecting with the plant and the uh, the plant that it came from, not just the individual plants, but the entire uh, kingdom of that plant. Say, for example, the, the exquisite violet absolute that you sent me. When I put that on, I have the the sense that I'm connecting to all the violets like those violets on the planet. Is that silly, or what do you think? Uh, no, it's not silly at all. And I guess I would liken it to um, human contact. So when you have an incredibly deep, touching experience with a human being, part of it is it deepens your connection to that human being, but it also deepens your connection to humanity. And it's the same thing with the plants and trees. And so one of the things that people, so many people come to us through physical pain um, or even emotional. I treated a young woman a few weeks ago who um, had attempted suicide, and so we were working hugely on a spiritual and emotional level with her. And, you know, one of the things I said to her was, it's going to deepen your connection to the natural world as well as your own Self, your authentic self and your higher self. And so you're going to find parts of yourself you've either denied or didn't even know existed are going to start coming to the fore when you start using these essences. And secondly, it's going to create and then deepen a connection to the natural world, whether it's the rivers, the stones, the trees, the flowers, the grasses, the animals. You're going to have a relationship that you didn't even know was possible that's going to be so supportive and so healing to you. And and she burst into tears because she remembered as a young girl how safe she felt in nature and had kind of forgotten that. So thinking that these essences were going to be a window or a doorway, actually is a better um, phrase, a doorway back into that relationship was so comforting to her. It was unbelievable. And I encourage that because it will be comforting. And so... That violet that you have experienced um, is connecting you absolutely to the beautiful, beautiful plant and flower of violet, but it is also connecting you to all violets and to the natural world. So it's, it's many layers, but it is um, in our Level 2 class, we have students throughout the five days. Uh, first, they will commune with a grass, then they commune with a bush, then they commune with a plant or tree. And the profound messages they get from spending 15 minutes with a grass that they choose is just incredible. And then to compare the kind of information they get from the grass compared to perhaps a towering white pine is incredible. <laughs> so it's, um, it is hugely a gateway to that ancient, ancient connection that Stephen Buhner writes so beautifully about in The Lost Language of Plants. It takes us back and helps us reclaim that ancient, ancient connection, that common language we once shared with the plants and trees. They are a part of what makes us human. He has a beautiful um, excerpt in the very, very beginning. It's called The Taste of Wild Water, and I usually read, oh, about a page or two to my level one classes, and I have an aromatherapy meetup group that I do in Santa Fe. I've read it there. And it's one of the most beautiful descriptions I've ever seen of how connection with the, and trust in the natural world is part of what makes us human. And I honestly look at some of the despair that you see in the teenagers and the young people and all ages in this country. Um, we are a culture that is increasingly separated from the natural world. We don't eat a lot of natural foods. We don't spend a lot of time in nature. Um, and when we spend time in nature, it's usually orchestrated, playing soccer or something, instead of just laying in the grass looking up at the sky, that people are experiencing a, a deep separation from nature, and it is very, very saddening and very um, unhealthy. And so the essences, I think one of the most important things they do is to deepen our connection to the natural world as well as help us 
learn who we truly are and really explore our humanity and also connect us more deeply to the spiritual world. Yeah, it, this reminded me the the story about the girl and her her early experiences of nature. When I was a child, there was just a lot of um, chaos and fighting in my house. And I can remember at as young as two going outside to get away from it and crouching in the bushes up against the house and watching the little bugs crawl and looking at little drops uh, of water on the leaves and playing with the little Turks' caps and picking berries. And I'd go out there for peace and solace, and I really felt like the plants were my friends. And I think that's something that everyone needs, a connection like that. And if if a person's never experienced it, I just think that's a tragedy. It really is. And I had a, quite a dysfunctional household also, and I did the same thing. I don't know if I did it as young as you, but we had... Um, a backyard and then an alley and then this kind of overgrown area. Uh, people would call them overgrown with weeds nowadays. But I literally would go out there and sit inside those weeds so nobody could find me and just take in their energy. And I felt the same way. I felt like they were my friends. I felt like that's where I could go for some peace and quiet and I could reflect and think. And, you know, I felt safe there and I felt loved there. And... Again, I couldn't agree more. I, For people who don't have that, they really, um, a lot of them despair about that, and they don't even know what they're despairing about. They just know that they feel lost and they don't feel connected. And when we do um, our level one class, there are two or three times in the class where we do uh, guided meditations. One is quite an extended one. And if I could tell you how many people who tell me Either they've never meditated before, this is their first experience, or they have meditated for years and never had an experience like this. But we do a, a, a deep connection to the plants and trees, and for a lot of people it is totally life-changing. And they'll go, how can a 45-minute meditation change my life? But they got messages or got connections or felt a peace and a um a, a deep relationship with another aspect of life that they never experienced before or experienced as a child, and they come back to it, and it is profound for people. I mean, it is literally life-changing for people. And so people go, well, what, you know, why do you have a meditation as part of a aromatherapy class? Because it is about making that connection and either honoring the one you have and learning to explore it and deepen it uh, and trust it even more, or reestablishing that connection, and it's huge because it's it is part of their purpose on this planet is to help educate us in our humanness. Yeah, they. I still think they're my friends, they and are. so how? Um, what's your feeling about the Devic Kingdom? I mean, are you are you a person who believes that each plant, each tree has a, a spirit attached to it, like they speak about when they talk when they talk of the Devic kingdom, the plant divas? Well I've had personal experience. Um when we were in France two times ago, so probably about four years ago, um we had a group of students and I started feeling really, really sick. And I could feel that I was coming down with something. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, here I am in another country and responsible for all these students. You know, I just can't get sick. And we were listening to one of our um, farmers, very, very small scale, who does our rosemary hydrosol. He's an older gentleman, retired from Germany, living in France. Amazing man. Well, one of the things he does, he lives in this little tiny hut. I mean, he lives so simply, it's unbelievable. But he is a caretaker for several acres of olive trees that are over 1,300 years old. They've been carbon dated to over 1,300 years old. Whoa. And we were sitting in this grove of trees with our backs up against trees while he was teaching. And when we had a break, one of the students said, Audrey, I'd love to get your picture um, with that tree that you were leaning up against. She's so beautiful, you know. And just as he said that, I heard a female voice in my ear go, why don't you climb up inside of me? 
and almost parallel, John said, why don't you climb up in that branch and I'll take your picture? It's because it was a very low-hanging branch. So I heard her speak to me and I heard him speak to me. Then I climb up into the tree and there's this huge knot in the tree that looked just like a face. I actually have a picture of it, he, the picture he took. And you can see two eyes, a nose, and a mouth in this huge um, uh, knot in the tree. And I hear her voice again say, why don't you put your face against my face? At the same time, I'm hearing John say, oh, put your face up against the knot in that tree. That's amazing. So I put my face up against the knot in the tree. And as he's taking the picture, I feel this energy go from her into me, right across kind of my nasal passages. It was between my nose and my mouth. And I I liken it... (laughs) My kids used to come visit me in the corporate world when they were little, and they would always go Xerox their faces, which I guess that makes me, I'm not a candidate for Mother of the Year, but um, they would always come, oh, Mom, and show me pictures of how they Xerox their faces. Well, I felt like, that's the only way I can describe it, this energy flashed through my face, and when I came down out of the tree, I felt completely well, 100% perfectly well. And she healed me. And it was one of the most profound experiences of my life. I remember Barry was calling people to get back together because we had been on a break, and I just excused myself, took my journal, and went and sat under a tree because I wanted to write down the experience while it was still fresh in my mind before my mind started playing tricks with me, like, oh, that didn't really happen, or you didn't hear that voice, that was John talking. I knew exactly what I had experienced. I knew I had connected with her spirit. And I wanted to never, ever, ever forget that. And so I jotted it down in great detail, which is one of the reasons I can you know, recount it to you today in such detail. Um, and I know I connected with her spirit. So, yes, I absolutely believe and know that each one of them has a beautiful, vibrant, wise spirit that is only desiring to share that wisdom and that love with us. I totally and they can do agree. it through themselves as plants or trees or grasses or whatever, and they can also do it through the essences when they're pure. So that's why they need to be pure. Yes, yes. And we don't, like I mentioned, we don't do any machine pouring. We do all hand pouring and we work primarily with small farmers who either wildcraft or biodynamically um, produce their essences. And so, you know, we're really trying to maintain that close, loving, intimate connection with the plants all the way to us pouring the bottle that we then, you know, provide to our customers. But um, that's why it's so important. It's like when you meet a person who's really stoned on pharmaceutical drugs or other drugs or smokes a lot or drinks a lot or is doing something to increase the level of toxicity in their body to a really unmanageable level, and they really aren't who they are anymore. And so when essences are not produced in a, in a, for med- medicinal purposes and for therapeutic purposes and are just, you know, mixed together or added with uh, solvents or um, carrier oils or things like that. They aren't who they are anymore. It doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean they won't have any beneficial effect at all. But it's not the true essence of that plant, and it's not the potency that you might get otherwise. So it's like meeting a person who's gotten clean for the first time in 20 years. You knew that person before, but now you're seeing the real person who they really are without all the filters and the masks, and that's the way it is with the essences. When they're in their purity, it's just a whole different experience, just like the woman on the East Coast had, using them directly, and then when she started getting ours, you know, a purity that she could trust. It has been a totally different experience for her, and she's been using them for almost 30 years. So, it, you know, it does make a huge difference when they're pure. Yeah. Well, something, a question popped into my head, And it is this. Do you have any um, suggestions as to oils that one might consider to be anti-carcinogenic in their properties? Well, some ancient ones are frankincense, myrrh, and galbanum 
those are the big three that have anti-carcinogenic properties. Others are um, laurel leaf, which is highly anti-tumeric. All the citruses are anti-cancerous, every single one of them. So blood red orange, Mexican lime, um, lemon, very, very powerful. Parsley seed is another one. So there are many, many choices, and that's the tip of the iceberg. And Melissa is also. Uh, but there are many, many. But those are probably the key ones. Um, there was some wonderful work done up in Canada on fir balsam for uh, prostate cancer and how effective it was. There have been some studies on myrrh and breast cancer and how effective it is. And so, uh, you know, there's starting to be some documentation, but it's ancient wisdom that these are anti-carcinogenic in nature. Okay. And what about, uh, I'm also being guided to ask you about bergamot orange. Uh-huh. How would you use that? What, what's the major application for that? That's one of my favorite scents, by the way. It's, we've had a number of people come into doing this as some aspect of their profession through the door of bergamot. Bergamot and redvere probably have uh, attracted the most people just on their own. But bergamot is... Um, is a citrus, as you mentioned, and a lot of people don't know that. And so we had one woman um, do something that wasn't very wise. She put bergamot all over her feet and then went to a tanning salon <laughs> and burnt the heck out of her feet. Um, so I guess she won't be going to tanning salons anytime soon again. But So we had to work with that with helichrysum and lavender and some others. But bergamot is one, because it's a citrus, it can be skin sensitive. So we typically will use it on the soles of the feet. And it's huge as a mood elevator. It's a, a very big for antidepressant. Um, so it's really very joyful, very um, upbeat in its energy and its effect on people. So people, and there's a lot of light in it. Uh, all the essences carry light, which is a, another thing that most people don't know about them. They carry oxygen and they carry light. And bergamot is one of the most incredible ones. I, I talk about it on my blog. I have a blog called fearlessaromatherapy.com, and I did do a really nice profile of bergamot. But she's a great one to use for the uh, seasonal um, syndrome where people in the fall or winter, um, because there's less light, will get into a depressive state. Mm-hmm. And bergamot is a fabulous one to help counteract that because she is, number one, she uplifts the mood, but number two, she is just filled with light, and so she really helps uh, that on that dimension as well. So bergamot is a really wonderful one for, um, somebody told me they wanted one. My nephew said, send me one for my birthday that will make me happy. <laughs> and bergamot <laughs> was one of the ones I sent because no matter what ails him, uh, it's really hard to be in a bad mood around bergamot. She just does make you happy. So she's, uh, And she's also hugely antibacterial and also anti-cancerous as being a citrus. Yeah, I love that oil. But oh, I did I do know not to put it on my skin and go outside. You don't put it let me say this again, you don't put it on your skin <laughs> and go to a tanning salon or go outside. Because no, it, it is photosensitive as well as skin sensitive. And yeah, so you especially also don't you know, wanna, well, like oil in Arizona fine. like I do part of the year, you know, you mm-hmm. do not want to put bergamot on and go out <laughs> in the sun. No, no, no. I once uh was hand squeezing limeade probably thirty some odd years ago. And got the oil from the skin of the limes on my hands and then went outside with my, I had a small baby at the time, and got these purple splotches on my hands. So I went to see my girlfriend, who's a dermatologist. She said, ah, you've been making gin and tonics. And I went, no, but I've been making limeade. And she goes, well, that's what the purple stuff is. You don't have cancer. You've just gotten, you know, oil from the skin of the lime. And I said, lemons won't do that? She goes, no, just limes. But it was wow, horrible, that's interesting. horribly yeah. purple thing on my hand, and it was I thought I was dying or something. Well, a lot of people love to put lime in their um, water, and it does make them drink more water, which is a good thing. But if they're in a state like Arizona or you know, Florida where they get a lot of sun, and, and they're doing that, sometimes you'll start seeing little tiny brown spots, and that's the sign to quit doing that, either cut back or you need to lay off, you know, and just put a few drops in instead of, Maybe eight or ten drops several times a day. Just they just their skin won't tolerate it. So it is. Um, it's a very good thing that you point out. It's photosensitive as well as skin sensitive, and that's something you always have to keep in mind with the citruses. Mm-hmm. Well, so is there any essential oil you can put on those brown spots to get rid of them? 
Well, one of the ones that really helps lighten them is helichrysum, and really? we carry three varieties, but helichrysum metallicum is the, the mother plant from Corsica. Then we have a beautiful one, Arenarium, from Slovenia. Both of those are good for helping to lighten scars or uh, dark spots, but when things are liver spots not caused by a chemical reaction like we're talking about, but mm-hmm. toxins being sent out by the liver, it's good to deal with what's going on with the liver as well. So then we will, and helichrysum is a fabulous one for the liver. We'll also use something like carrot seed and wild chamomile to help balance the liver so it's not sending out those toxins to the skin which create what's been known for years and years as liver spots. Hmm. So that's one of the things we do. a good place to, uh, to, to introduce the idea of treating not only the symptom but the root cause. And that's one of the yeah. differences in aromatherapy to traditional medicine. Um, mm-hmm. Often that's more symptomatically oriented. And we're always looking at, like if somebody comes to me for migraines, you know, and I do a consultation with them, I'm really working on trying to understand, did this just start occurring? Has this been happening since you were four years old? You know, if you get a sense of the duration, you get a sense of any triggers, they might be aware of or patterns, what tends to alleviate it, what tends to uh, make it even worse. And you start not only helping them with the effects of the migraine, the pain and, and so forth, but also what triggers it. And so you're working on both the root cause and also the symptoms. And sometimes the same essences will do both. And other times, if it's, for example, people have migraines because their hormones are all out of balance and they tend to get them around their period or only when they're pregnant and never when they're not pregnant, you start realizing there's a hormonal component to this. So you'll use geranium and or clary sage to balance the hormones. And so while that's kicking into the system and helping reduce and then eliminate the migraines, you're also treating the effects of the migraines while they're still experiencing them. So we come at it from both uh, aspects. Very cool. Let's see if Becky's got a question. We've got a couple of minutes left. Becky? Okay. Hi. 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 Becky? No, I can't get it open. Wait a second. Okay, Becky? Yes? You have a question. (laughs) You've been patiently Um, waiting. (laughs) Well, I don't have any questions per se. I just can't believe how ill-informed I've been on essential oils. It's it's just been amazing. Some of the... um, the tinctures and things I've tried, I've pretty much given up on because, like, I would use the bottle. They were diluted. They were um, maybe, um, I don't know how, but um, anyway, I just wanted to, to comment on um, how incredible the information has been this morning, and I think I'm going to be trying some new remedies. Well, that's exciting, and don't feel alone. Uh, when I was first introduced to them in my 40s, I had no idea what they were. Now, for me, the good news was I'd never tried the tinctures or the ones that had been watered down. I'd never tried anything except pharmaceutical drugs. And so I kind of started at the top with the with the purist um, and learned to do it that way. Um, so that was the good news. But the bad news was, you know, I was in my late 40s when I discovered them or when they were introduced hmm. to me. And so um, you're not alone out there. And I have a real quick story on a woman I met in Santa Fe, who um, at a show that I did here, and her son had ADD, ADHD, had been diagnosed with that. So we were working with tangerine and uh, for balsam to help him with that. And I didn't hear from them. I didn't hear from them. Finally, she calls me back to reorder, and she said, you know, I'm so embarrassed. She said, I decided I saw some at the store and I wanted to get something less expensive because they were going through a divorce and you know money was tight and she said and I I got the less expensive ones and we weren't seeing the same results finally one day her little boy looked at her and said mommy can we get the real ones and she just burst into tears and called me and said, I feel terrible but I hear what you said Becky all the time people will come up to me at shows or call me after they see me my website or something and say you know I always had high hopes for these things but they just don't work, and I've lost faith in them, and I've pretty much given up till I found yours. And what they mean by yours is the real thing, pure, authentic, medicinal-grade essences. We aren't the only people in the country selling them, but we're one of a very few. And so, you know, they just get to the point where they think, you know, I thought this was going to work, but I'm honestly not getting the results. And her story is a perfect one because they are not all created equal. And 
if they're not made for a medicinal purpose or if they've been put into a blend or diluted with carrier oil, you might get a mild beneficial effect. I'm not going to say there's no effect and they're not going to hurt you, but we do everything in our practice to maximize potency, and that's the difference. And so people do see the difference. They feel the difference I was mentioning about um, the pendulums and the energy in them is just incredible versus some other you know, blends and things like that. And so uh, you're not alone, <laughs> and I'm glad that um, we were able to give you some information today. Yes, very cool. Thank you very much. And we have run out of time, and so I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. Thank you for listening. And, uh, Audrey, we need to talk again sometime. Yes, ma'am. I'd be looking forward to it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Lois.